Let me start off by asking you a question. What is a major item of anticipation in your mind this season? What are you anticipating? That special gift you kind of subtly let someone know who knows you to make sure you get your special little gift? Is that what you're anticipating? For some of you, you can't wait. You, could, you, you, can't, you, you can't wait. You can't anticipate. You went out and Amazon that and got that delivered to you already. But is it the gift from a loved one that you're anticipating? How about a new job? How about the future vacation in a warm area somewhere between January and March? How about a possible new relationship? How about eating more of those cookies that are such goodness? Or maybe you're hoping that the cookies will be gone soon so you don't have to continue to look at those cookies. But today we will see a very specific person, a priest. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, his name was Zacharias. He was married to a daughter of Aaron, the high priest, and her name was Elizabeth. We see that in Luke 1, verse 5. They were both righteous and blameless before God, verse 6. But their life was not perfect. What made it not so perfect? Well, we see in the scripture they were both very well advanced in years, but stigmatized by their barrenness. Elizabeth had no children. They didn't have children. They didn't have grandchildren by this age. We see that in verse 7. Their whole life, they had a major anticipation that they were to have children. And in those days, if you didn't have children, you were looked down upon. But imagine being in a prominent position as a priest, serving God and doing what God called you to do, it, but you were not being blessed yet without children. A heavy burden placed in a barrenness, and you cannot understand why you cannot have children like everyone else. But God knew. And we see that the angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias while conducting the priestly service in the temple of the holy place, verses 9 through 11. And right there in front of him was the golden altar of incense. This 18 by 18 square, three feet high place to burn the incense so the smoke would arise in this form of prayer. Lampstand to the left, the showbread to the right, and just across this very thick curtain was the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And he, as many priests, were through lots were chosen to do certain things within the temple. And it was his time, perfect time, a one-time life event that he actually was able to go into the holy place to do something for God as a priest. That he would get to go to the altar of incense and light the incense to, of the form of the prayer to 
pray for the nation of Israel. What an incredible moment. Think about the preparation before he went in there. He's been looking at his whole life watching. How long did they stay in there with the previous priests? Did they pray for a long time? Was it short? Was it fast? How did they, how did they approach it? And all the things that would have gone in his head to prepare for this one moment because he's going into the presence of God. Representing the nation of Israel. Did he rehearse his prayer? Did he have it written down? What was he going to say? What is he not going to say? What was allowed? What wasn't that allowed? Yes, he's going to pray for the nation of Israel. He was probably praying for the fact that Rome was dominating him and that they would be freed from the, the, the bondage and the, the, ter the turmoil from the, the Roman government. Maybe he was praying for the Messiah that was promised, that was anticipated. The anticipation of the Savior. Was he praying that the Messiah would come so they could free Israel from this captivity of Rome? Would he take this opportunity, one lifetime moment, only going to happen in his lifetime once? Would he take the risk of praying for personal prayer? Would he lift up God, I, I've got a few personal things I want to add at the very end of my little prayer because I'm hoping you're hearing me here. Did he pray for a child? I would have to say after I study the scriptures, I don't believe that was one of his prayers to pray for a child. Why? Because we see in the scripture that as he's praying, as he's looking in the connection of this, this burning incense in front of him, the prayer might seem so strange to some. But we see in the scripture that this burning incense is a strong picture of prayer, Psalm 141.2. Revelation 5.8. So it's for us today, it maybe seems strange to go in and, and go to this altar and do incense. But at that time, that is a form of what God called to show the uh, praying and, and the prayers of the nation to Israel to him. But while he's there praying and whatever he was praying for, he would know who he was praying to. That he knew. He knew exactly the holy God he was praying to. But at that moment, God chose to send an angel. I believe it was Gabriel. Even at that moment, and later on we see Gabriel. That the angel showed up and he says to him, do not be afraid. Your prayer is heard. He only said one prayer? Like prayer with many commas? <laughs> just one big string if you notice the scripture today 60 you know pretty much almost 67 to 79 is one big sentence it was just a lot of commas if you noticed so what was the prayer that God was now setting an angel to tell him directly in the holy place that God heard his prayer and he's going to answer his prayer what was that prayer 
Was it the Messiah coming? Was it the wife Elizabeth to bear a son? See, for years they have been praying for a child. But now they're older in age. Their bodies have changed. It's not, it's not logical. It's, it's not seen of being able to ever get pregnant now. She's beyond her childbearing age. He's beyond probably the age as well. But now they're so old and their bodies have changed so much. Why would that be on his prayer list in the time of moment when he's coming in for a lifetime moment as a priest? Only one time deal. And that is to pray for the nation of Israel. And the Messiah to come. Why? Because we see his reaction of this angel appearing. And it resulted in do not be afraid. This result, this experience that he was having was one of unbelief that we see in this scripture. There he is in the holy place. The angel shows up and Zacharias hears from him. Your prayer has been heard. But his response revealed that he had unbelief in what he was being told. That your wife is going to have a son. Any guy in his right mind after years of waiting for a child and saying, okay, we're settled. We're not having children. No more children. This is it. We're, it's just you and me, honey. We're, this is what we're going to do. And after I do this one week of service, because it's my time, after all my whole life, I get to what, this one week of service, we'll be going back home and we're just going to live out the rest of our life. And God sends an angel to speak to him directly in that moment, that incredible moment. No, no, your wife's going to have a son. Well, his head was spinning. And he had unbelief that that could ever happen. And what did God use the angel to do? It caused Zacharias to become mute, unable to speak. Until the days of these things take place. What things? When Elizabeth would deliver the baby boy. And his name would be John. For nine months, this priest couldn't even finish his week out of what he's as a priest. He couldn't come out of the holy place. He's supposed to then turn to the nation of Israel who's all staring. They're all outside staring at the holy place, praying for them, praying for him to pray for the nation of Israel. And he walks out and he cannot say a thing. He couldn't even pour out the blessing upon the people because God had caused him not to be able to speak because of unbelief. Incredible moment. Causing all kinds of turmoil, I'm sure. But we see in the scripture that God made sure he communicated to Elizabeth and to John, even in his mute condition, we see that his, the baby's name was to be John, as we refer to as John the Baptist today. But his name was John. And John means God is gracious. God is gracious. God showed grace to this too and gave him a child. And not just any child, but a child that we will see 
in the womb of Elizabeth will be filled with the Holy Spirit and will come out and be used God to be the forerunner to represent and pave a way for the Savior of the world. That's an incredible child. I don't know, you, I, I read those words and I start praying all for all my grandbabies. Fill, fill them all now, Lord. They're out of the womb now, but fill them with the Holy Spirit right now. I want them all filled, my children filled with the Holy Spirit. I want them just filled with your presence to do great things for you. Do you pray for your grandkids and your kids like that? That they would be filled with the Holy Spirit? Or do you think they're not old enough? I'm telling you, they can be filled with the Holy Spirit at birth we see in the scriptures. You want them to walk according to God's ways from the beginning. But we see in this place where there now he's got this promise, this anticipation now of his own son, not only the, not only the Messiah, but now he's got the anticipation of his own son. And John will be his name, and everyone's like, wait, no, no, you're always supposed to name your baby after the guy's name somehow, some way. And it's like, no, no, no. Elizabeth said, no, his name's supposed to be John. And, and then, John, you know, Zacharias writes down and shows him the name. No, he's supposed to be John. Why? Because God said his name is to be John. To represent his name is God is gracious. God is gracious to give them a son. And John will live a life that is, we see in the scripture in verse 15, is a great in the sight of the Lord and shall not drink wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Incredible. But we also see in verse 17 of chapter 1, John will also go before God in the spirit and the power of Elijah. See, if you don't know, this is the very first time that God speaks since for 400 years since Malachi was the last word spoken. If you go back and read later today, Malachi chapter 4, specifically verse 5. But now that these last words of God to man prior to the, this moment in Malachi, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Let's come and smite the earth with a curse. Then God goes silent. Doesn't speak to the nation of Israel until 400 years later at this moment. And it was this last word of God to man in the old covenant period prior to the angel meeting Zacharias there was an altar of incense of the Lord and that prayer was answered. Which was the last promise of the Old Testament. But it's the first word of the Lord in the New Testament. Which is the fulfillment of this prophecy. The fulfillment of the prophecy of the anticipation of the Savior. That God had promised so long ago from the very beginning of time. Which is about to take place as the child will be born and will go forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. 
And verse 19 is Zacharias filled with unbelief. How can I know this? How can I believe this is what that means? I'm an old man. My wife is an old woman. What do you mean I'm going to have a son? And all the angel said is, I'm Gabriel. I bring you great tidings. A great word from God Almighty. I'm just a messenger. I can say, I'm an angel. I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot me. Don't. I'm just a messenger for God. Why are you coming to attack me? Or why are you not? You think I'm just going to show up for no reason? I do what God's will is. See, the last appearance of Gabriel, if you want to know that, just for your knowledge's sake, to our knowledge on earth, the last time we see Gabriel was at about 500 years prior to this particular event. When Gabriel appeared to the prophet Daniel. And you'll see that in Daniel chapter 9. And gave to Daniel one of the clearest prophecies concerning the time of the coming of the Messiah there in Daniel. It would appear... God has, he's a God of order, and he always has reasons of purpose and a calling of, of, of using even the angel for a particular purpose. And it looks like Gabriel's was the one that was used by God to set in order the things of the universe. To oversee in charge of the details of the, of the announcement of his son coming to earth. It seems to be Gabriel was the one responsible for that. But we pick here and back up, or we should pick up here in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And it says, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, The anticipation of the Savior, the announcement that he's going to have a son, that his son was going to be used by God to bring the announcement and the glory of, and focus and purpose of the Messiah coming. Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh. And we see that Zacharias was filled with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied what would happen. The prophetic voice of the Lord had been silenced for 400 years. Now it's going to speak. Because God spoke through an angel Gabriel, we see in Luke. God spoke through Elizabeth in, chapter, in Luke chapter 1, verses 41 and 42. God spoke through Mary, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. And now we see in the scripture, God is going to speak through Zacharias and speak to his people. And all that is connected to the theme of the anticipation of the Savior of who Jesus Christ is in his work. We see in verse 68, he says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. So we now see clarity of why God is coming in the flesh. Why the Messiah, the Savior of the world? Why are we anticipating? 
We see the very first one right here, moving of the power of the Spirit. Zacharias began praising God and prophesying and pro pronouncing a blessing upon God's people. He couldn't do that nine months prior because he was mute because of unbelief. Now God has been working in this man for nine months, stewing in his mind of the things of what God is saying, and it went from unbelief into what? Tremendous belief. How do we know that? Because the first things out of his mouth is not, I'm having a son, I'm having a... No, he's blessing God Almighty of Israel. The Messiah is coming. It was all about God. That's why you know he was filled with the Holy Spirit because it wasn't about him, it was about God. We know this, true, this truly in spirit inspired prophecy because of the focus of this prophecy was on the unborn Jesus and not on Zacharias' new son. Zacharias blessed God with the fact that God had visited his people. Jesus Christ is God. It's manifested in the flesh through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he's prophesying to the people the first declaration that God, the Lord God of Israel, visited his people. Our God is coming to us to see us. We see it so clearly in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. We jump down to verse 14 of chapter 1. And he was the beginning of God. It was within the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Those are very important verses to remember. And what he's prophesying would take place that took place. The word redeem here is he... Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, the anticipation of the Savior is going to come visit you and I, and he's going to redeem his people. The word redeem means to set free by paying the price for the sin. To release a prisoner is what it means, or to liber liberate a slave from bondage. He's come to set you free. Jesus Christ came to earth to bring deliverance to the captives, to the captives, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Salvation to people in bondage and sin and death. Christ the Savior paid the price necessary for redemption. A price that you and I cannot pay for our sin. When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you are delivered from Satan's power. You're moved into God's kingdom. You're a child of God now. You're redeemed. And you're forgiven. We see that clearly in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. God visited his people. But the purpose of his visit was redemption. He visited and he redeemed his people. That means you and I as believers. Jesus is announcing his purpose. He's declaring, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. That was lost, Luke 19.10. What caused us to be lost? Our sin. 
We've been separated. And God had made a way to bring us back. See, redemption, the purpose of the coming of Christ, the Lord has raised up a power of salvation, we see in the scripture in verse 69. He says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The horn represents power in the scripture. It always symbolic of power. So he's, he, the, the, the Savior has raised up the power to salvation in the house of his servant David. Very specifically on a genealogical lineage of the Messiah would come through the lineage of David. King David himself. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to those who, that believe, Romans 1.16. We see in Colossians 1, verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. The power of God that can transform one's life. Oh, blessed be God, he says. He has visited his people. God has come to bring redemption to this world, this fallen world. To give power for salvation through the house of his servant David. Where did the Savior come from? Where did he do? Our Redeemer comes from heaven is hell. But he came through the house of David, we see here in verse 69, who was also a great conqueror. But God had promised that the Savior would be a Jew. We see that in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We also know in Genesis 49, 10, that he would come through the tribe of Judah. That's what was prophesied. It would be through the family of David, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, also prophesied. He would be born in David's city called Bethlehem. We see that in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Again, prophesied. But he also would be born of a virgin. We know her name is Mary. We see that Luke 1.27, who is also through the lineage of David. And the stepfather, the one who is a role model, but not his father, was Joseph. We see in Matthew 1.20, also belonged to David's lineage. All of this prophesied, all of this orchestrated by God Almighty himself. And all of it is true and came true. Verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. So when did this anticipation of the Savior start? We see in the scripture, it started from the very beginning of the world. And that God has always used his holy prophets to give that anticipation. There were so many prophets but they were all with one mouth. They were in unity of the anticipation of the Savior. 
It was all about the anticipation of the Savior. Right from the very beginning in Genesis, recognizing that the prophecies concerning the Savior, concerning the Messiah, have been in existence from the beginning of man's existence. Right there in the, the garden. When God spoke and said to the woman, Cursed be the serpent, and that serpent would eat dust, would be on the belly, you shall go. You'll crawl on this earth. But then he said to the seed of the woman, would bruise his head, and that sin would be destroyed by the seed of the woman. Blessed be God. He has brought now the power of salvation, just as he said he would do from the very beginning in Genesis. He has redeemed through the seed of the woman, through the virgin-born child. Again, a very important doctrine that we talked about last week, that it must believe that he was born of a virgin. And then we see in verse 71 here in chapter 1, it says that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all who hate us. Jesus is the one who's going to do that, who saves us from our enemies. Verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Jesus is the one. The one who was the inherent one of all the covenants, of all that was the promises that were made. Everything that was spoken of, of the anticipation of the Savior, the Messiah to come. All the covenants of God made with his people, and it was promised by the, prom, by the prophets that we see noted in verse 70. An oath that God himself gave to Abraham, verse 73, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, verse 74, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. What incredible prophecy. What an incredible promise that Zacharias was given to him to speak to the nation of Israel and to the world. That salvation is more than being saved from, yes. God has delivered us from the hand of our enemy, but he has also saved us for the purpose that we might serve him without fear. That we can joyfully and gladfully do every morning wake up and to serve our living God. The Savior of the world. But not with fear. Yes, with awe and wonder. But we get to serve our Savior with such joy and gladness. We see in verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Remember, Zacharias didn't even know Jesus yet. <laughs> Jesus hadn't been born yet. But he knew what God was telling him and he believed it. He had been promised the Savior his whole life. Especially as a priest and teaching it. His whole life he was anticipating based on the promise of what God had said. 
But Zacharias didn't even know Jesus yet, but he praised Jesus. He loved Jesus. He was passionate about Jesus because he had such anticipation of the Savior coming. We know so much more about Jesus than Zacharias did. Because we, had the, we have the word of God telling us and showing us and revealing of the fulfillment of the promises. We're not looking for a Savior to come. Our Savior did come. We're not looking to have for redemption. Redemption came. We're not looking for to be saved. Salvation is right in front of us. What we're anticipating is, is Jesus coming back for us. That has not happened yet. But the promises of the scripture is true regardless of how you and I feel. Jesus is coming back for his bride. One at a time or through the rapture. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. And I believe it. I don't want to be a Zacharias who's sitting, standing right there, hearing from the word of God through, in this case, an angel, Gabriel, but us right directly by the Holy Spirit showing us through the word of God that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is coming back for us, and me sitting there going, I don't believe it. Oh, please don't let that be anywhere in anyone's heart. We know so much more than about Jesus and Zacharias did. But the question would be, what can excuse can we come up with for our coldness or hardness of our hearts of not believing the scripture? What hinders you from believing the scripture? The word of God. He sets us free. Not to do our own will, he set us free so that we can be doing his will. We're not in bondage any longer. We're freely to be able to serve him and enjoy the freedom we have in him because he says right there, he says, in holiness and righteousness before him in all the days of our life. Are you? And then we see in verse 76 a change. Now the focus comes off of Jesus and now on to, the, to John, to the child that God has blessed Zacharias and Elizabeth with. And he says in verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Wow. Talk about responsibility. That's a heavy one. On the father, on the mother, of knowing this child is designed by God to, for a very specific purpose from birth. Woo, talk about heaviness. But after the initial focus on Jesus, the Holy Spirit then led Zacharias to speak about the anticipation of, the, of his newborn son, John, who will be revealing and, and paving away and speaking of, of the anticipation of the Savior. That John the Baptist, as we call him, 
it has a very specific place in God's great plan of salvation. John was a true prophet we see here in the scripture. It says he's the prophet of the highest. Jesus said himself, all the prophets before, born before a woman, there isn't been a greater one than John. No greater prophet than John the Baptist. John had the unique calling to go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. And we see in the scripture that he did. People were prepared for the first coming of Jesus through the ministry of John. So too I suggest today that people will be prepared for the Lord's second coming through the ministry of the church. You and I. Like John the Baptist, we too have the same three mandates given to John are given to you and I. We see this in verses 77 through 79. Take a look. The first mandate we see that was given to John that gives us to us is that to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remissions of their sins. John would teach and give knowledge of salvation to God's people. That's the first mandate. To give out the information. We get to tell people the good news of the gospel. That's our first mandate as a child of God. John would also show the people the remission of their sins, that their sins could be forgiven. A free gift of salvation unless you reject him. Every sin they have ever done, will do, or are presently doing is forgiven because of the tender mercy and the grace of God. That was poured out upon them through the cross of Calvary. That finished work that Jesus did. The remissions, what does that mean? It means to forgive a debt. All of us are in debt to God because we have broken his law and we have failed to live up to his standards. We see that in Luke chapter 7 verses 40 through 50. All of us. All of us are spiritually bankrupt, unable to pay our debt. But Jesus came and paid that debt for you. We see that promise in Psalm 103, 12 and John chapter 1, verse 29. A debt that you and I could not pay. But he was willing to come and pay it for you. We see in verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What a beautiful promise here. Not only John was to speak to the people about the coming of the, of the Savior, the Messiah, but he was also to tell them about the remissions of their sins to be able to be forgiven. But he also, we see that God, by his tender mercy, has sent the day spring, it means the sunrise, from on high to visit us. 
that Jesus might give us light for those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadows of death, a near-death experience is about to die. They're all in this darkness and ready to die, and what is going to happen to life? That Jesus might guide our feet in the way of peace, the peace of God. So John would give light to those who sit in darkness and in death. That's his second mandate. To provide illumination. How we are to illuminate God's people's thinking about the coming and the anticipation of the Savior. Because the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, we get to be those who share with people not our philosophies, not your good ideas, not some guru's ideas, not even your agendas because you want something. That you do not share with people. What you're sharing is but the light of the word of God. That is how you become a lamp. As John had to be a light to show and pave a way for the Savior to come, we too, by the word of God, lights a path for those who are in darkness and those who are in the shadows of death. Do you understand that as a believer, you have that mandate? To tell someone the good news of who Jesus Christ is? That you can have your sins forgiven? And that he is the light that you can come out of darkness? You can come out of that shadow of death that you're living in? And live a life that is lit? John would guide his people into the way of peace, the third mandate. He was going to guide people to the peace of God. That goes beyond your own understanding. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. Apart from him, as your savior, you cannot have peace within you. But, 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 pastor... I've got tremendous peace. I've got my life all figured out. Everything is just perfect. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I don't need that religious thing. That's for you. That's not for me. Well, if that's speaking to you, if that's something you've repeated... Hold on. You will quickly find out you do not have God's peace. Because the bank account will go empty. Your health will come to an, to, on the bridges of death. The darkness will come clouding over you. And you will come to a point of brokenness. It's only a matter of time. That's why we get to have that third mandate. We get to share a direction in people's lives when they're just floundering in life. They're just going in circles. They're just on the wheel, a little treadmill. 
going around and around wondering what is life all about and I have no direction and no purpose. I have no hope. I don't know what, why am I even living? What is going to happen to me? All these big questions that are out there. We get to have a third mandate and that is to share the direction that is good and right. People are looking for God's direction. They're looking for peace in any given situation in their life. They want peace to be able to handle the very difficult life situations. We get to simply to walk with the Lord, enjoy our relationship with the Lord, and follow the peace in our heart, which will tell you and I whether we're given direction, if it's safe or not safe. Don't go that way. There's no peace about that. Don't go that direction. See, the people were sitting in darkness. Death and distress was gripping them when Jesus came. But he brought... Light and life and peace into your life. Do you remember the day of salvation? Do you remember when you got saved? That whole hundred pound of gorilla came off your back? Because you knew within that you have been forgiven of all your sins. And things started being come clear. No longer dark and crazy and things started making sense i remember this day when i got saved i started noticing even flowers and color on the sides of the hills i prior to that you know oh yeah that's fun that's, that's cute but it's like wow do you see how beautiful that is look at that sunrise look at that sunset i mean things just illuminated to me things that were that didn't make sense now started making sense before, what do you do? Someone's telling you how to live, but now, now you know, as God reveals, your plan and purpose for your life. Such a transformation when you come into the light and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And when that happens, when you choose him, you come out of darkness, you come out of that, that, that shadow of death that's been plaguing over you. The distress starts leaving you. You no longer live in life of anxieties and fear and confusion. The light has drawn of a new day because of the tender mercies of God. We see that in Matthew 4.16. I love that verse. It's a new day. Here we are in our story today, the old priest who was not able to say a thing for nine months. But he certainly had time to think about everything that God had said and done. All the studies, all he's been reading of this, the scriptures, all come flooding back into him and said, how could I have any unbelief in my God? who created the heavens and the earth. He was well compensated for his silence, was he not? 
when he came out, and the first thing he had is a song that he started praising God. How joyful to know that his son was chosen by God to prepare the way for the Messiah. We see that in Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 3, and Malachi 3, 3, 1. That John would be referred to as the prophet of the highest. Introducing to Israel the son of the highest in Luke 1, verse 32. Who would conceive in Mary's womb by the power of the highest in Luke 1, 35. God calls us today. He calls us today to believe his good news. He calls us to believe when you do not, even when you do experience his joy and would praise him, you must come to that point in your walk with Christ that you experience his joy and experience and praise him with everything you have. If you're not there, that just means you continue to show up regardless how you feel. Continue to seek after God. Continue to be in the word of God. Continue to be around God's people. And you will grow and mature in your faith to a point where you can praise him in every situation. That you can be filled with his joy. That his peace fills your life even when it's in turmoil in very bad situations you find yourself. He is in control. He knows what you're dealing with. Go to him in that situation and experience the peace of God. It's not enough for us to say that Jesus is a Savior. Oh, that's fine. You follow Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a Savior. Okay. Or even say, oh yeah, the Savior. You're talking about the the Savior? Some may choose to do that. But will you grow in your, 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 your love for Christ to be like Mary, where we see in the scriptures in Luke 147? When Mary, as he as as she's pouring out her from her heart of who who Jesus is to her, he says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And that would be my final question to you. Is Jesus a Savior to you? Or is he the Savior to you? Or has he become my Savior? Can you say that with all of your heart, I mean clarity, that Jesus is my Savior? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I pray as the Spirit moves and you're moving in the hearts and the minds of your people, that you would just bring clarity of what they've read, what they've heard, and you just... Filter all out, Lord. If there's anything is not of you, just let that go. And just only of what you want them to know and to hear, to speak, and settle in, in their hearts of what your word says. And by the power of your spirit, I pray there is transformation and change taking place in every single one of our lives. 
as we spend time with you, worshiping you and praising you and calling you my Savior. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.